0: I invite you to enter this portal of strange and unimaginable. I simply ask that you suspend your judgment and expand your mind in the vastness of the unknown. Come witness the wonder that is our reality. The truth is out there, and so am I. Wife of a Demon Hunter Extraordinary Tales of All Things Paranormal. Hello, my name is Dorinda Stewart, and I am the Wife of a Demon Hunter. My guest today is an investigative researcher, an international lecturer, a CEO of the Phenomenon magazine. He specializes in ufology, the paranormal in the UK, and here in the United States. Please welcome Steve Mira. Hello, Steve. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thank you. Jordan. Lovely to be on the show. I'm really excited. I'm excited
0: too. I got nervous because I started (laughs) looking up some stuff about you. I'm like, oh my gosh, do you you uh, sleep? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I just wondered because i'm like oh my gosh um you have a lot of things so i'm just gonna um first of all i'm gonna congratulate you on your new youtube channel so it's oh. steve Mira,
1: right steve mirror on youtube yeah. right steve mirror official um yeah it's been eight years i mean do you know what i don't I usually don't have the time but people just keep saying steve will you please have your own channel because you're all over youtube and we're, we're trying to find you if you've just got one place where you can put some music, that'd be great. So I thought, okay, eventually t- I've been asking the team for, for a long time because I do everything for all these other channels. He said, okay, finally you can have your own channel. It took me eight years to get it, So <laughs> I've, I've got it now. So It's uh, not really that new, but it is new right now. So you have uh, your own. <laughs> it just means that, you know, if something comes up and I, I want to share it, I can mm-hmm. share it you know, rather than wait till um, some type of other show comes along. You know, I'd like to get it out as soon as I can.
0: Well, that's good. So my next question is, ghosts and aliens, is there a connection?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I started in the paranormal uh, Mm in 1983, uh, 40 years back, just over 40 years now. and, um, And I couldn't, you know, I worked in the paranormal field for a long time, elevated through the ranks, you might say, to parapsychological research, And I was involved at high levels, a bit like um, a bit like Nick Kyle, who's a who's a friend. You know Nick. Right. Um, I mean, he was at the time when we were doing some work together, the president of the Scottish Society of Psychical Research, and he'd been involved in high level experiments. Um, and I was involved with another. It was just a different name. It was known as Phenomena Project. Okay. the scientific studies in regarding the paranormal phenomena, and we—I was involved in quite a number, seventeen actually, very high experiments, and only three of them have been released to public as yet. Because what they what they—the committee believe—is that people have to digest the information, and there's certain times when you can put information out. Because it's a learning process, you can't just throw everything on the laps of people and expect them to digest it. I mean, some people might be saying, "Oh, I'm well, fine. Just give it, give it, give it." You know, I would love mm-hmm. to have it. But others, uh, which really only work in the in, when I say in the paranormal, it's like the, they might go to a haunted building. They might do an investigation. They might catch a few EVPs. They might catch uh, some uh, something unusual occasionally on cameras. Most of the time, running around in infrared, you know, in the middle of a dark night. Um, and that's kind of it to so throw it at them it's a bit much all at once so we do it in levels and as time went on i realized that there was a lot in parapsychological research we look at the ha- the aspects of the individual it's more the the people experience mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to i looking at the phenomena in advanced paranormal studies it's about paranormal mechanics in other words How does it work? What makes it tick? You know, what are those fundamental mechanisms? Can we take them apart and focus just on the little parts? What might make a bigger picture in the long run? Because to be honest, 160 years have passed in paranormal research since in the UK. And you know what? They're they're very much static. You know, they're they're not advancing. And I think we need to do so. Unfortunately, we've had to wait for a lot of specialised equipment to come along because we need it. Technology. Mm -hmm. It wasn't out there, nobody had invented it. So we'd have to wait for certain things. And now there's some really very interesting pieces of equipment um, that we use now to give us, it gives us evidence, you know, and points us in the direction of our research. But I did get involved in the UFO phenomena as well, because of the paranormal leaching, it goes over into that subject. Um, I mean, it basically all kind of started with my studies into um, bedroom paralysis. Yes. And how it's fundamentally exactly the same thing when people are witnessing paranormal phenomena and they're waking up at night, it might be a shadowy figure or something, or mm-hmm. they see a, or a ghostly figure, and they've got this paralysis. And the same thing when I studied the contact cases and alien abduction cases when people are waking up at night and experiencing things. And I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, if, if the UFOs are coming from these vast other the through space to from these other planets, and the paranormal is an ancient earthly club because it goes back a long, long way. Right? Why should the two correlate so interestingly? And I thought, okay, this requires more study. And the more I got into that, I started finding the attributes into the in the UFO phenomena. We have, we literally need to take the UFO phenomena out of the area now and drop it into the paranormal box. That's kind right. of how it happened because I realised there was these very sh- stringent boxes involved. The paranormal box the bigfoot box you know the cryptic Mm. right yeah yeah spiritual and of course ufology and these guys aren't talking to each other they're not working together to kind of keep to their own camp all of which are trying to Mm. obtain as much information as they possibly can they haven't got a full picture and i don't think they will do because some of the stuff they're looking for isn't in that camp it's in another camp right So I I started to push forward the idea, let's drop the whole hypothesis of this compartmentalization because we don't need it. Right. And have everything there, and let's just see what the phenomenon represents. And you start to see, you start grabbing at all these different areas and you look at it, it consists of all those things. So whatever this, I believe, the phenomenon represents, these attributes in all these camps, especially regarding human consciousness, of course, which is right across the whole scope, So I kind of got involved and then I got into ancient mysteries and I travelled around the world, um, doing a lot of television shows, uh, meeting all sorts of different people from all over the world and lecturing around the places. And you get to find out that there is a lesser scientific aspect to the subject where it's kind of, you know, I kind of call it the circus sometimes. It's the entertainment side. Sometimes it gets a bit crazy with belief systems and things. And there is the science side where, you know, I want to I want to try and push forward and get some answers, I suppose. From um, mm. we've all got the entertainment, we all love the entertainment side. It's it's on our television sure, screen. Sure. All. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's not getting any further. And that's frustrating to me because I need to push forward. I want I want some answers, to be honest with you. Um so formulated a number of specialized projects and I started working with my colleague closely, Barry Fitzgerald. Yes. Most people will know Barry from Ghost Hunters International. He was leading. Right. The media for mm-hmm. years. I think he travelled to about fifty-three countries. Um and um, but you know what? When I first met Barry, I thought, well, you know, this is the guy who, um, fundamentally is in the paranormal camp. Right. So when he started talking, he said, "Well, no, I'm not," and I said, "Really?" You could have pulled me. I mean, look at all the TV shows. It's, just, yeah, it's a television show, Steve, you know. But my, pa- <laughs> my passion is the whole scope. Right. The UFOs, the ancient science, and, and how ancient legends are sometimes, not exactly legends, you know, there's these elements of truth to them. And I thought, well, that's perfect because he's on the same, you know, he's on the same page as me. Right. So we started working together, maybe started about eight years ago in a subject known as Project Doorway, which is a Advanced studies of the UFO, of UFO phenomena kind of changed to UAP now, but it's the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we've been around the world and we've witnessed stuff that firsthand, just simply by deducing how the phenomenon manifests and where it might manifest. And sometimes we've just gone on a wing of a prayer right. on a plane, travel across to the to the US, we find ourselves on the top of a mountain in the desert somewhere, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> following geological information we've gathered where phenomena seemingly is manifesting and when we got there we witnessed incredible things so it kind of we kind of reversed role and said well let's prove the theory uh, and we did that a number of times so it kind of really led into a lot of extra research that connections between the paranormal the ufos the cryptids These aspects that are all linked together in many, many situations. Sometimes you've just got to illuminate them.
0: Right. Well, talking about Project Doorway, you um, just did recently a a scientific thing about the EVPs. So can you
1: tell us a little bit about that, what your findings were? Absolutely. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. Now, this is usually a level how far paranormal investigator will go. And that's usually, is wow, I've caught an EVP.
2: Mm-hmm. most
1: of those um are usually um they've recorded them in a silent environment on a recording right. device and they've played it back and they've got they've heard some type of vocal on like it. A, a
0: different What's class it? class a class b
1: class C right yeah, yeah. I break them into how good those are yeah yeah I kind of break them into. Class A, there's Class A, B, C, and a D, which is really poor. I just throw the D's in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> They're just making it up. Oh, I think he said, "Come here right? <laughs> for the Class D's." <laughs> uh, but then we can go on further and say, okay, through our experiments, we've opened communication. So random vocals caught on a dictaphone, which is say very good. You know, you could very clear. And actual communication, in other words, you're asking a question and the replying to you recorded on it, the sim, there is a difference between them because one's right. communicating. I refer to them as more actual voice phenomena. You actually are communicating communicate with an intelligence. Right. Because a lot of EPPs, which are captured, are usually randomized. Um, it could be something that has no content to what you question you've asked. You know, you could say, please give me your name and you might get the reply. I've seen a lovely coat. <laughs> it's just you get those random, right. yeah, um, which really does not yeah. reference When you can ask questions and get delivered responses back, then it puts it into a different category for me. Now that is bordering on the earlier stuff, which is referred to instrumental transcommunication. Some of our, you know, people listeners will will realise that that was kind of the days of using television screens with white noise on. Um, yes, yes, yes. Get images mm-hmm. of usually people that are claimed to, have, you know, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am aware that that some of those experiments that took place around the world also was dealing with um, things what we might refer to as non-human intelligences, not just spiritual intelligence. Right. Now, that also crosses over into radio communication, old radio, so the old old ones with the tubes in. Yes, yes. Now, there was a very famous gentleman in Italy, which is known as BACCI, B-A-C-C-I. And he was doing this so regularly that he opened these doors to the scientific community, and the scientific community descended upon him, and were witnessing firsthand these communications. Now, he was actually asking questions and gaining responses uh, in in the field of instrumental transcommunication with these radios. So what they did is the scientists said, look, we've no idea how this is happening, but we've got to prove the process. So right. they took the radio and they placed it in a in a in a specially designed Faraday cage. And this will stop any signals going backwards and forwards. I mean, if you've got your a radio on and you put it into a Faraday cage, you'll lose you'll lose it, you'll just get hush. Because okay. the signals are being blocked out from the radio to, to receive it. They placed this into, into this Faraday cage and shut the door. And he still was able to communicate with these, you know, whatever these things are. they mm-hmm. just couldn't understand. The physics that's here just doesn't add up. It went one further um, to actually taking out the tubes out of the radio. This mm-hmm. is the prime mechanism for the radio. Makes at work. Mm-hmm. And it did. And it still worked. Um, and even went one further and cut off all the power supply to the radio. No power whatsoever, and the phenomena did not require it. It still utilised the machine in a manner beyond normal physics. So how I describe this is that we live in a world where the physics, our physics lies in this box.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's very stringent. But what we find in things is, is that The phenomena goes beyond the physics we understand. It's outside of the box. And we have not developed a method of investigation to look and understand about the things that are metaphysical rather than physical that lie outside this box. So this needs work on how are we going to deal with this? So all we could do at the time was really just gather the evidence. And the same thing happened in the 1990s in a small village known as Skull in, in Norfolk in the UK. And it became probably the world's most recognized form of intelligent communication by these intelligences that's ever taken place. And that became known as the Skull Experiment. Oh. Now, in the UK, we have, a you know, we grow up in probably the most haunted country on the planet because of its huge and its vast history. Right. And it's a cocktail, the UK, of history over the years. Many of people have come in and tried to occupy the, the Saxons, the Romans. You know, we've had all... It's a yes. cocktail. But the history goes back so, so far that we, we end up with a lot of buildings, which are very, very old, and castles that seemingly have disturbances. Now... To grow up in this these, in these country is, is great because there are a lot of very specialised organisations which date back, some of them have been operating for more than 100 years. Uh, the Society of Psychical Research, which is the main um, the main body of, a, of professional investigation to the subject of psychical research, which is in London, mm-hmm. got into the Skull Experiment. And in fact, the Skull Experiment opened its doors, like Becky did, opening their doors, for his scientists to come down and professors doctors magicians all sorts of people said i'm going to go in there i'm going to prove it's all wrong mm-hmm. they went in there they experienced the phenomenon firsthand outside was the bbc the british broadcasting company ready to pounce on these people and say what did you experience in there tell me your opinion and they did it was all it was all kind of televised and they were saying things like, well, there were manifestations of, of lights and all sorts of things taking place. They communicated with us. They seemingly understood our, our conscious asking of things. They seemingly read really the in our minds. And everybody, even the, the people which were stringent skeptics and said, I'm going to go in there and prove all this is wrong, mm-hmm. fell short. They couldn't do it. Um, because the phenomenon is real. I know that now through our own experiments. Now, eventually, what happened at the skull experiment is that they decided one day to see if they could outreach beyond what they were referring to, spiritual communication, to see if they could communicate with something which was in an area that is considered non-human intelligences. Mm -hmm. Boy, did that work. I mean... (laughs) In fact, it was it was at the first time, I believe, that, that she actually started to struggle to maintain the circle because creating a real good circle is, is a priority. And everybody has to gel. There's a certain frequencies and, and, and we all got to gel. Sometimes you might find that there's a kind of a weak link somewhere and that person tends to get replaced. And over mm-hmm. the process of time, mm-hmm. you gain a very powerful circle. And when you do that, it means that you can enhance the capabilities of communication and open a very a stronger conduit. Now, what happened was is that when they started to experience things which were of non-human intelligences, they were struggling to maintain order. You know, that this was creeping in at times when they didn't expect it, they wasn't controlling it as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain management involved in seance circles. Right. Losing the management, I knew a little bit concerned. Um, The phenomena flooded in. It was like opening the gate. They they came in 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 their droves to the point where they were starting to manifest on equipment visually as Uh, non-human looking beings. Um, Now, this is very similar to uh, a practitioner in the UK known as Alistair Crowley many years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, some of our listeners might know about this, and he was involved in certain cult, occult practices. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of those employed the use of um, a practice which is an old Egyptian practice, and other a few other methods. And he kind of made his own cocktail out of them. Mm-hmm. He wanted to again to try and do this long time before the skull experiment was doing. Right open those doors to, to intelligences beyond the norm. And he had an experience with a being that appeared to him, uh, around about three three and a half feet tall, a large head. Um, very similar looking in some sense to some of the alien greys that we might see associated to UFOs. Except the eyes weren't were big. They were relatively normal size eyes, but the everything else in appearance was exactly the same. <laughs> And it communicated to him saying, Look, you know, I'm interdimensional, um, and gave a name to it. And uh, and he won't be honest with me, he didn't expect it. And he was a little concerned of not being able to control it. He was a little bit out of his depth a little right. bit. Right, sure. So, sure. Um, but they took that further because he paired up with Jack Parsons, who became J you know, JPL lab for for NASA. Um, and he With a few others, Ron Hubbard, who now was the head, well, who who became the head of Scientology, Mm -hmm. yeah, UFO cult, believe it or not, it's it's a religion, it's a UFO religion, yeah, Uh, and together they were trying to manifest entities that might come through, that might be able to stay in our environment for long periods of time, but doesn't seem that's the case. It doesn't seem that they can be in our environment for long periods of time. I don't know if it's something to do about immunity or some reason behind that, I'm not too sure. But there is a physicality to them. And when I started to look right across the whole board, I started to realise, well, hang on a second, the Russians were doing this. The Germans were doing this. The Vril Society, you know, which used to be the German Metaphysical Society during the 1930s, mm-hmm. were overtaking the German forces during the Second World War. And it's to change the name to the Vril Society. And were apparently communicating with non-human intelligences, trying to gain bits of information about advanced aviation, which they might have used to manufacture their own german early german flying saucer program it never really succeeded because the phenomenon never gives it you more never gives it everything they give you little bits because they want you to come back more and more and more and of course that with the real society doing that we also find in the 60s and in the 70s that other aviation companies were involved in this such as boeing and bell and douglas they were gathered around sales tables where the long-term practice of communicating with non-human intelligences to try and obtain information, advanced information, about aviation, aeronautics, things that they could use, go away and manufacture. You got little some parts, which certainly helps build the the transition of technology, but never got a full picture, and they never really ever do. So you can see that there's an effort from these non-human intelligences to advance our technology. But to a dangerous point sometimes before we can understand and grow psychologically with that, because we might end up with like being children with matches. We've got to be able to advance psychologically to be able to understand the technological aspects of this. Um, And that seems to have been right across the whole board around the world, very secretly being carried out. And I realized at a very early day that, you know, the governments of the world um, know about this. But they don't want to go down that path. What they want to do is consistently tell you that the UFO phenomena is extraterrestrial. Right. That, and they are traveling from other planets. But it, my argument is, is that, well, I don't believe that's the right term. I think they're kind of more extra-dimensional. Mm-hmm. That they, because any advanced race like this would probably realize, do you know what, it takes so long to travel from our planet to, to earth that they've found a better way of transitioning maybe jumping through realities or wormholes or whatever and that's kind of where our research is led us so it's the paranormal the ufological is all kind of all grouped into one thing but... um
0: that's very interesting i really find that very interesting especially the uh the uh evp stuff because um you Know for me because you know I, I have psychic abilities, I can hear certain things, but I can't prove that that's what's been said except when it's on a recording. Like if I say they said get out, and then later on when he does the recording, he hears the get out. Yes. Um, I find that very interesting, but right. um, yes. uh, the digital versus the you know the, the old like you said, the old timey stuff that we had before, um, that kind of seems to work a little bit better, even um. With the digital cameras and things like that, if you have uh, the Polaroids, that seems to be more evidence than uh, digital because the digital can add something to this, which I find very interesting as well. So um, thank you so much for that.
1: Um, We'll we'll cover more on that because there's some really interesting areas that we can cover in that field.
0: Okay, sounds good. Um, So you are the CEO of the Awakening Expo, which is held in Manchester, England every year, and it started in 2017. So, it's sort of a place for like like minded people to learn more from experts in the field of paranormal and ufology, wouldn't you say? I mean, so is that kind of a good way to do it? Oh, yeah. It It started in
1: 2017 because, uh, and and quickly it became Europe's largest conference. And we bring speakers and celebrities sometimes from all over the world. Yeah. And we like to bring some of the latest information. Um, sometimes people, you know, don't know where to go and get that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quickly grown over the years. Now, in 2024, we actually had doing, we've been very brave and doing three events. Oh, but, nice. Um, we're doing a, our first event is is just, we're doing two mini conferences and our main, big, our large conference, which we do each year. And the first one is on February the 17th. And it's a very themed event, actually. Because what we wanted to do is look at some of the the possibilities that there is something more occult-orientated or paranormally orientated to the subject of UFOs. So we're bringing a number of specialists together for the very first time. They're all excited because they all want to learn from each other. And and it's a great opportunity. So it's a very themed event. Um, It's a one-day event on February 17th at the Albert Halls in Bolton, Manchester, the UK. And um, we're really looking forward to it. That's kind of all planned and already all sorted. We're now focused on our large event, which is for August the 30th, August the 31st, and the 1st of September, three-day event. And we are theming. That's also themed, because we never used to have a theme. Ah, we, we had a little bit of all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. But we, we thought we wanted to go with them. A theme because there's so many people just wanting to know more about this subject. The theme for the three-day event is high strangeness, ah. and that might involve many different ranch lands um, and numerous other places around the world, which people might not know about. And some of the current research that's happening. And you know, I started getting very interested in that theme many, many years ago. And uh, my colleague Barry was at, uh, at Skinwalker Ranch uh, about three years ago. He was part of do some research there with Project assisted for Project Doorway, uh, and he witnessed phenomena whilst he was there. So yes, there is phenomena there. We seem to have moved more outwards um, to the perimeter of Skinwalker. Certainly, the ridge line, you know, the rocks and stuff right. is always a primary interest because there's a geological connection to the phenomena. Right. And um, we're talking with a number of people from all over the world. Trey Hudson, um, who is has a project known as the Meadow Project in the area of kind of georgia and um, we're talking with uh, kate Well, used to be katie grabowski but she's katie page now i think she got married and um she grew up on a ranch known as clearview and it absolutely out of this world crazy crazy experiences which also involves sheriffs and marshals nato as well wow uh, absolutely fascinating and uh, of course chris o'brien uh, who is going to be talking about the Hidden Valley and where he where he lives and some of the strange happenings there, which are definitely falling into that category. Um, and uh, of course, we can't get away from Skinwalker, so we you know we're yeah. t- we're, we're going to be bringing Tom Winterton, you know, which should be really interesting from Skinwalker, and um, and maybe Ryan, well, um, oh, what's his name now? Uh, Ryan from uh, Blindfog Ranch. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, okay we're going to be we're all calling all these different
0: so, so you're well. talking to native americans there too right because <laughs> yes. yeah. you know there's a lot of native history there
1: so what well, we've had we had the, Nav- the navajo rangers um yes. they've already been over into the country and um they conduct an, an amazing lecture you know the they're, they're just they're brilliant guys have you have you met them during have i met who Oh, Rangers, I've you know? never
0: met the Navajo Rangers. No, no, no. Oh, um, God. you know, my people do come from o- my people are in Oklahoma, so that's yeah. where that's where I, I've been, but I've never been, you right. know, to Montana, the, the Skinwalker or anything like that. I yeah, mean well, you hear legends, but yeah,
1: no no no. Fascinating because Joanne Stan, who were uh Navajo Rangers are police officers, were assigned to look into the strange disturbances and things mm-hmm. that reported. Creatures, bigfoot. Yeah. They actually backs and they were out there trying to hunt these things down the ufo phenomena the paranormal phenomena uh, as well as the skinwalkers and stuff like that i mean it's, it's just absolutely crazy but they've got a lot of evidence and right, um, right. so you know we 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 love this subject of high strength because it's kind of what you might refer to as the cocktail experiences right? Right. You've got all sorts of things same thing like the skinwalker and all these other places now we, we we're kind of going really a bit of a themed aspect on that. We're also covering um, the paranormal as well. Mm-hmm. And Nick Kyle will be joining us.
0: Oh, Nick will be there. Wow.
1: How cool.
0: Yeah, be yeah
1: that'll be nice. <clears throat> um, so it's, it's really interesting. So that's kind of our three-day event for, for August to September the 1st. And then we're looking for a third one around about November, which oh, okay. I steer towards more of the esoteric and ancient sites and things like that. So we're trying to get a bit of a full picture here for 2024. There's a lot of work and a lot of planning, yeah. but uh, it's coming together. So we're really excited about it. That, um,
0: I know, Joe and I, we were talking about it. I says, we got to figure out a way to get there. It'll be nice.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you're always welcome. <laughs> <serious>. Yeah,
0: thanks. <laughs> um, so um, did you ever have a ghost encounter?
1: Oh, my word. Well, hmm, well, <laughs> I don't, you see, being a researcher and a lecturer, and TV, and radio, and all these things. One thing I don't do normally is talk about my own experiences. Right. Because I believe, statistically speaking, though that many might not admit it, they've been involved in a subject for quite some time, and they were initiated it, into it, like me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: only at an early age or sometime in their life. Right. Um, and that's set us on our path. I am an experiencer. Oh, absolutely. I really okay. Think, you know, I, my first experience is I was seven years of age. And I had a bedroom visitation. That's what started it all up. Ah, yes. Um, now, normally, usually by late teens or into the 20s, it starts to die out. Mm-hmm. No, my experiences continue to this day. Mm-hmm. And um, there's usually a uh, usually a three or four incidents per month.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. So Things I see, and I, 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 I can't explain it. um <laughs> Why some people are, I'm targeted by the phenomena. I was targeted since I've been seven years of age. Ah, yes, but I have a do have, have a hypothesis about this. That I am aware that dealing with these experiments of communication with sometimes referred to as spiritual, or sometimes referred to as non-human entities, that they are aware of things in the future. I have been mm-hmm. told of events that take place ah. and they have come to pass the longest time span though is 18 months so i do know at least, they do know at least 18 months into the future they might know more sure know. sure sure and i believe that what some of these intelligences want they want recognition they yeah. want to they want their flock you know yeah. it's there's a lot of a lot of um things they need and require from belief Okay, so you're, you're not saying idol worship. You're not
0: saying that they needed to be
1: worshipped. I'm, not, worshiped. Saying no. No, I'm okay. not saying worship. I'm saying, um, I mean, really, I mean, what is worship at the end right. of the day? Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: It's not a consistency of a conundrum of people mm-hmm. which are interested in believing the same sort of thing. I mean, it's, it gets very bogged down in words. But at the end of the day, if we wanted to take um, ufology as a religion, mm-hmm. uh, it's... Already superseded over a thousand other religions around the world. Right. Today it's growing exponentially. yeah We even have now places like Scientology, which is UFO-based, and many other others, and some we probably don't know of. Um, so really you can call it, yes, in some sense, it's a religion to itself, mm-hmm. and it's it growing down. millions and millions of people are now swaying to the belief in contact and ufos um which is really stands alone but also superseded slightly by other religions like catholic faith which again it's about spiritual communication it's about contact cases I'm, i i have some good friends in some high places one of them is um, diana polalski she works at um uh, as part of space force oh okay initiative and she was invited, which doesn't happen very often, to the Vatican archives.
2: Oh, wow.
1: wow. Uh, what we don't realise is the Vatican is not a church. Mm-hmm. Vatican yes. is a listed country of itself. Vatican City is classed mm-hmm. as a country. It could end, the, the priests could enter into the World Cup soccer matches if they wanted to. Right. Fundamentally, it's a library. It's the largest library in the world. It's based on the old traditions of Alexander the mythical library right. of the Virgin mm-hmm. and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that they, that probably did exist at some stage. There's 53 miles of archives, mm-hmm. 53 mm-hmm. miles mm-hmm. of archives mm-hmm. of the Vatican shed access. And mm-hmm. what she to do in her research is look at all the biblical references of angels, the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. um, you know, all those things. And what she discovered, which was quite shocking for her, was that she went to the archives and looked at the original source material. And what the church has done is alter the original source material to fashion it into something which would to the, the culture right. of religion. And some of them are very well-known cases where entities have been seen and interacted with nuns. Priests saw a flaming ball of light enter the room and communicated in some way telepathically with them. And these have been twisted into angels and you know the Virgin Mary and all yeah, the
0: Virgin Mary, you know, they had an angel come to her and you know, explain to her that she was going to have this child.
1: <laughs> it becomes very interesting when you start to look back <laughs> at the source material that this phenomenon is age old. I mean, mm-hmm. research takes us back to before documented history, that's as far as we can go. There was a time in history when we didn't put pen to paper and all we right. could rely on the interpretations of cave paintings. But right. even a very questionable as to what did these people experience in traditional law, you know, and tongue from our ancient ancestors, just as the Native Americans. They have stories, you know, yep. um, Native Americans that lived in de- the Death Valley. Talk about two craft that descended from the sky. One seems to have been in difficulty. Another one landed by it and yep. uh, they, they kind of helped assist the other one and they both flew off together. That depiction is actually in cave drawings. Right, you know, right. Yeah. Go back a tremendous amount of thousands of years. Well, so we have-
0: most Native Americans do believe in the um, you know, in the sky people. I mean most. I mean, some people, somebody said something to me about coming from below, something coming from below. And all the people, all the Native Americans I've encountered have never talked about below. Is co- coming from that. It always came from the sky. So yeah. if there's if there's documentation about that, I'd like to know about it. So.
1: Uh, well, the communications and, and intelligences that come from below led into more sort of uh, Middle Eastern culture. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, you know, even the, mm-hmm. the, the underworld. But what is interesting, though, directly is that even the, the Native Americans have references to the underworld.
0: Yeah, yeah, we uh, yeah,
1: but we didn't so, come from there. We we no, go no. there. That's that's. that's, that's yeah but it's it's that, it's, it's interesting is the teaching and understanding that there is an underworld and and there is reference to this in every single culture around the world right it's passed around and spread on a global level so so well which is right. really not only the incidents from the sky but um but the incidents you know and things that they are aware of from below and i thought that was really interesting Um, Though that the phenomena is seemingly age-old, hasn't really changed over the years so much, some of these experiences, but I do question about the variety of entities that have been reportedly seen and experienced over many, many years. We have on record now a variation of over 2,500 various different types of entities, from small furry ones to large ones even the Bigfoot ones have been associated to UFOs on before, right? Right, uh, I heard that also. too. Yeah. yeah. But one thing that really fascinates me is that well, they all have two arms, two legs, two eyes, a nose, two arms. You know, and they have seemingly a similar craft. They seemingly have the same agendas. Do you know, you can't get three people in a room to agree sometimes. How <laughs> so do you get? How do you get two thousand five hundred cultures from various planets all acting and all looking very similar? Right. To to do one simple thing i mean if you really want to see an alien life you just go to the bottom of the north sea you'll find something that's truly alien knowledge right and it surprises me that you've got so much stereotypical um you know how they're described across all these uh, various different entities and i this is what's pushed us into the 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 idea that are we dealing with something that alters itself and changes its mask and perception over the years though so that they can appear to be human um you know and look at the information over the years if you just go back and check what have these been telling us over the years mm-hmm. telling us that they come from various different places i mean you know they once told us they came from the moon but right. the back side of the moon but mm-hmm. well, the backside of the moon they're not there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then they came up and said oh oh, uh, well, no actually we're on venus became the venusians but when we started to send probes to venus and realize it's a highly hot and poisonous planet then the theory started to think okay well that can't be the case and then other stories came from them saying well we're not, we're not at venus we're on mars but now we're sending probes to mars it doesn't seem that's to be the case right now right. they're saying, well, we're, from, we're, we're further out now. We're in other planet. And the problem is it's going further and further and further back, and we get told these different various stories. Right. It's very right. problematic for me as to can we really trust what we're being told. One of the two prime, primary things I said, we're here to save planet Earth. Unfortunately, and it's a horrible thing to say, I think the Earth is beyond being helped. Right, you know? right. <laughs> Excuse me. I know the process. Takes, it's a twenty-five-year stock button. If I pressed it today, it would still take twenty-five years to roll all these industries to an end. Right, right. No, so, um, the damage has already been done. We're already super. Right. We should have dealt with this twenty years ago. This is why there was so much effort to try and do so. But or is unfortunately- this natural evolution? Do you think it's natural evolution
0: that maybe no. this, even that we're here and the things that we've done, maybe that was supposed to be what we're supposed to do?
1: I don't know. The, the effort now is not spe- being spending money into saving planet Earth, it's spending vast amounts of billions, if not trillions of dollars to lock the new planet Earth. That's what's happening. They mm-hmm. hear, hear little things, you know, about right. we found another, another planet like Earth. They're looking, you know, and, and it's a shame. So what happened to saving planet Earth? The entities or these uh, uh, intelligences haven't, haven't done it and they're not stopping us from doing the damage. So right. that doesn't to fit very well right. and then it was well we we you know we're here for mankind you know we're we're here to be this in a savior sense but we still do terrible acts of human race against our fellow people and you know terrible things where hundreds if not thousands people die yes.
2: for pointless
1: greed and you know it's just and those are the days when i hear about these things that i think I just want to disassociate myself from humanity. It sounds strange. Right. Because right. I'm in the pot because I'm a human. But sometimes I just feel I just don't even want to associate with them. I'm, I feel ashamed. And I thought, well, that's not the case. They're not stopping any battles. We, we've got right. wars now Russian, and Ukraine, and not, there's no. Right. They watch. They watch, mm. monitor, and they do watch. They're in the skies. They're monitoring us. They're watching us always not intervening so where's the help and assistance here for humanity you know so i question that so as i've gone on i've started to question the validity of what people are being told right and that can be somewhat problematic as you can imagine
0: yes very much so i i agree with that too um yeah what, what is our purpose and you know like th- that brings me to a couple questions um you know um know you said we're trying to figure out what these entities are, you know, like shadow people. I mean, shadow people, who are they? And the poltergeist, that's the thing that I have not had a really good explanation about what that is.
1: Okay. Well, the shadow people actually goes all the way back to the jinn, to be honest with you. But the drip if you go to Middle East and you start to research about Jinn they're treated mm-hmm. no differently than any other entity. You okay. know, and uh, they have a method of war well, of, of walling away and getting these things, you know, to suppress these okay. experiences by utilizing um mm-hmm. certain crystals, hematite is one of them, because it's very high properties in iron. Okay. And it goes back thousands and thousands of years, um, a relationship between iron and negative phenomena that they seem seen in uh-huh. got like okay. iron. Um and it's gone right through in many, many different countries, utilising iron in Ireland to place across cribs of newborn babies because they were worried that they might get abducted during the night by mm-hmm. non-human entities of some sort. They might refer to them as the fae, mm-hmm. but the fae were never fairies. This is the this oh. is a twist. Oh no, they were never fairies. You know, traditionally, the fae were nothing like the fairies. The oh, fairies, okay. the fairies, is more um a modern aspect of okay
0: you know. so the cute little wing things are, are the fairies yeah. but the the fae is totally. something
1: a little bit different a little well, darker possibly further than the truth unfortunately <laughs> um so you start to realize okay well things have have changed over the years but the fae were also responsible to have said to have craft um flying trains interesting oh, okay she, she used to seem seem to be Coming down slowly in a controlled descent and landing to near what they refer to as ancient, you know, these ancient forts. Ancient forts in Ireland are rivers and lakes and things like that. Sure. Um, and they were seen and heard to hiss and hiss as a, as they entered into the water. So presumably they were hot. Um, and this was well documented in 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 things three or four hundred years old in in the uh, archives in Dublin. In, in Ireland, and you can read those, and you think to yourself, well, do you know what? It's a modern, more modern day version of the phenomenon, but they're, they're one of the same thing. The Fae are also involved in in this, they have their part to play. Mm-hmm. And iron was also introduced into medieval times. They used to put iron nails around beds to ward away bad spirits in the night. Mm-hmm. The horseshoe is being used yeah. because horseshoes, nothing about luck. <laughs> it was placed through the doors and windows because it's made of iron and it mm. walks away, you know, negative spirits. And even, you know, and even more point churches, churches, it, sometimes it's so obvious it's in your face, you miss it. I mean, the, the, you know, 90-odd percent of the churches in the in the UK are the perimeter of the church is is, is, is isolated from the grave sites by raw iron gates. It's, yes, yes. You know uh so it it has always been there right through traditions in those different countries where it originates how we got that knowledge i have no idea but um but you know what it's a practice of investigation that we still use myself and Barry today yeah Um, we've cleared phenomena um taking place in a home without actually ever visiting it and all we've had to do is you know utilize iron and UV and um it's cl- It's cleared it, it's, it's stopped the phenomena, you know, it's suppressed it to a point where mm-hmm. it's just gone. It's mm-hmm. it. And that, to us, that's a, a definite yes. In some of these cases, we can um, affect the outcome without even having to actually go to the property. So we go through a process of different banks, and that's one of the first things to consider, what type of phenomena is taking place, um, and how can we deter it? And there are numerous different things that and it, it's exactly the same with the ufo investigation i had a, a very long meeting with a, a foundation in in australia known as free f-r-e-e and it was put together by astronaut edgar mitchell when he was alive and it's a study into extraordinary experiences in, in regarding contact cases or alien abduction cases and it, we've been very successful introducing iron into the environment where people are having those disturbances, and it's suppressed even that. So there is something to this sure. now. Only about three months ago, myself and Barry figured it out. Do you know what? Why it's iron? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't tell you at the moment because it's going into our okay. new book. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the writing the <of> book. Together. <laughs> Um, well, this it's
0: funny because Joe and I have been experimenting with iron with our demonic cases as well. So that's, that's interesting that well, you get using yeah. that iron, so many, iron, so many those crucifixes that we
2: utilize yes. with
0: iron. Yeah. Yes, know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I find that very, very, very interesting. Um, my,
2: my,
0: my next question is, um, you know, in the U.S., <laughs> excuse me, in the U.S., we have a lot of, of a UFO or, a, you know, uh alien abduction type of uh, things that we've talked about. Some famous ones, you know, Roswell and, and the Barney and Betty Hill and the Travis Walton, uh, Whitley Strieber. Um, but when I looked up um, the UK, the only thing they had was the Rendlesham Forest. Now, I'm sure there's a lot more U- oh, yeah. cases like that. It's just the... You guys don't talk about it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we do, but we, fortunately, you know, it's it gets overshadowed by, by you know, a lot of the things in the U.S. I mean, the U.S. is the capital for UFO sightings. Right,
2: yeah, Area 51. So also the
1: capital it. for the area of phenomena. Um, though that we do have our own, you know, we mm-hmm. do have lots of those incidents that do take place, but it doesn't get the notoriety. Mm-hmm. Because it's overshadowed by a lot of different things. And, you know, some of those people have had those experiences. Yeah, are absolutely true. You know, I do believe they've had them. In fact, when I was on a a, a week road trip around the U.S. with Travis Walton. Who was oh, yes.
2: Friend, mm-hmm.
1: And I was the official spokesman for the new documentary that came out called The Travis, the, the movie, which is a documentary that goes back to the location of the incident where it happened and the phenomena where it was present, where the UFO was, was. Okay. And it affected the trees and the growth of the trees in that location. That was new evidence to, to put forward. And uh, whilst I was on a road trip traveling down um, around the U.S., we were traveling one day down the freeway, and we were being um, monitored and stalked by UFO in the sky. It was following us. We stopped the vehicle on two or three occasions and got out to watch it, and it stopped as we stopped. Wow. And it followed- and it, it, it did this for quite a few times. You know, so, and so, yes, I've mentioned to Travis, you know, do you still see them? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. they're always around. Yeah, know, they're always around. Pleasant, laid back <laughs> manner. Well, you know, but, um, it, and I said, well, do you know, today, you know, it could be full on, Travis, prepare yourself. You could get two for the price of one today. We're both in the same car. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, it, we do have our own experience. Rendlesham um, is a location, but I mean, even if you forget the Rendlesham, for the, for the US, most people will think we mentioned Rendlesham, it's a Rendlesham UFO incident. But if you just take that out of the equation from December 1980, mm-hmm. which was the most significant UFO incident, of sure. course, the phenomena predates the incident. I mean, the huh. UFOs have been seen there for hundreds of years. I was going to
0: say, years. because 1980 seems pretty, you know, not pretty i mean you know because it's been around for how many years i mean a lot more than the u.s even so that's why i thought 1980s seemed a little young <laughs> you know for yeah, that
1: you know, i mean there's hundreds of years there have been ufo sightings in in, in mendlesham and over the forest area also um steeped in paranormal history mm-hmm. and gentry encounters in fact there's a lot of towns locally that are named after gentry <laughs> to, ah. to- because of the experiences that they sure. have been having for such a long period of time, so it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that a UFO of this magnitude happened in that location. Because I've, there's always a strong geological connection,
2: right. Right. you know. Right. And we
1: found thousands of cases that we can identify. Are you know we look okay? Well, this is where the, the you know the geological can is tell us what's happened there. And when you do the research, you find oh, some of the most significant UFO incidents in history. Wow. that. yeah, wow, you know, so we, we kind of go, okay, all that right, kind of falls in line. That there's a ge- very strong geological connection to the phenomena. <clears throat> so, um, how do
0: you feel about Bob Lazar? Do you know who Bob
1: Lazar is? I do know Bob, yes. Um, okay. initially, yeah. I was very interested, um, but it was up for debate because I was good friends with Stanton Freeman, who was a Stanton Freeman,
0: mm-hmm. I know him, unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's
1: passed away now, such a shame. Mm-hmm. But, um, he used to be adamant that because donton was a, a nuclear physicist you know he's on the same path in regarding technological knowledge mm-hmm. like so he was a, a, into, you know, a right rockets engineering and he didn't believe that uh, that any of his story and he did make some he made some interesting points though i believe they we might be being bogged down a little because I do believe these elements of truth here with what Bobby said. Yeah 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 because there also... are still there are still some questionable elements to it. Right. Um and that can happen sometimes. Sometimes some people do put the icing on the cake um and unfortunately some researchers might come across that and find that red herring and think the whole case should be dismissed because of it. I disagree. Right. I don't think the whole case can, can be warranted to be dis, you know to be thrown out. On the principle of of one or two red herrings, you know, I think, you know, we sometimes have to look more, you know, deeply into it and see what warrants it. And I kind of do a tipping scale. At this moment, it lies in favor to Bob.
0: Okay. And the only reason why I brought up Bob Lazar is because he lived here in Michigan for a while. And uh, uh, he lived like 20 miles from Joe and I. And he had a store. It was, uh, you know, the United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and Supply Place in Owasso, Michigan. But he did get raided.
2: When, no, it's just,
0: it's just, when he was easy. when he was um doing you know he was doing a, that that documentary that was yes, on, yes, and he was raided and I thought <laughs> so do you believe there's a shadow government that uh
1: oh that, absolutely I've come okay. across I've come across them myself, even in the UK. It's uh, mm-hmm. a okay. um, so the
0: Men oh, in I, black, is that what we're referring to? The men in black, sort of like well,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes they change the times now and then with times changing. Um when Incidents take place in the UK in what we refer to as farmlands rather than ranch lands. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing though. Um, many times the people that own those farms are visited by men in black. But these men in black are referred to as MAFF, MAFF. It's the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Foods. Mm. Because a farmer would probably not fear. And government men in black, if they were said they were from the ministry, okay. just say, Oh, get up, be like. But <laughs> the Ministry of Agriculture, Fishes and Foods are responsible for shutting down farms, literally in within okay. 24 hours. Now, they compose as MAF officials to, to farm owners regarding you know UFO incidents in the UK. So the phenomena has evolved. I mean, we evolved, the phenomena evolves. Right.
0: So do you guys have a- uh, cattle mutilation and things like that happening in the UK as well.
1: Um, I was involved in a number of animal mutilations that took place in 1993 in Yorkshire in the UK. And they ranged anything from sort of chickens to foxes. Wild okay. fox. Um, And um, we've had horses, we've had cattle, and we continue to do so. But the censorship around this, the UK acts of far more sensitive Around those incidents than the US are. Okay. I mean, the US, you know, I mean, this information gets out through sheriffs and sure. because we're so contained in the UK, it's always, it, you know, we only got to travel 53 miles and you'll hit the coastline in pretty much nearly any direction. So um, was very, very controlled. It's very easy to control the UK because of its size okay. Uh, management. Um, but the US is so vast, you know, it's lots of things can happen and go undetected before the even government might know, especially out of these areas where vast areas of, of ranch lands where there really is nothing but ranches. You know and we do have that phenomenon here, yes. Um mm-hmm. it's a global phenomenon. And the research that we've done on regarding animal mutilations goes back again hundreds of years. We've got evidence it goes back hundreds of years. It predates the technology from some people saying that it's the government responsible or some black ops being oh. responsible for government. The phenomena predates that. I'm not saying they're not involved. Right. I think that they are highly involved because they want to know, you know, what's happening just as much as we do. Sure. Sometimes they have the efforts of being there before even we have the, you know, they're very equipped. Okay. Um, they can get to the locations. They'd be awesome to get into locations sometimes. I know. know. they have managed to get <laughs> to, to see the it. Window. I know, or to well, see
0: it, just wants us to see what it, yeah,
1: I, guess. Yeah, I don't know how they do it, you know. I yeah. mean, i a telephone call. And somebody's seen something. I'm arranging to go, you know, the next day. And they get to him before I do. Wow. He won't talk because they've got to. And I think, well, how did he know that? He must, must know through communications or all sorts. There must be something. Unless the phenomenon is being experienced and those occupants relay the information back that he's been an observer. Or in some cases, some of the objects seen are actually man-made. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of man-made. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, crop circles. It. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah well, we, well, we have the crop circle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's
0: there's you know there's a debate whether it's man made or made by you know.
1: Well, let me tell everyone something, by you because I think some people get confused with these various camps, the man made or the not man made. Um, it doesn't matter from the research that we've gathered because an incident took place some years ago, and it was August in the UK, and and well known. Researcher Linda Morton Howe, who many yeah. of us you know, came over to the country because she was fascinated in the crop circle phenomenon. Linda's had a long fascination in that area. Um, and a friend of mine called Matthew Williams, who is um a professional crop circle maker. Ah, there is
0: such a thing, huh?
1: <laughs> and you know what? He 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 tricks the best researchers oh. in the world. And I've seen him do this work. He even does weaved. Pop circles yeah, yeah. look at the weave yeah they weave together you nearly know, weave them together right the searches the some of the best researchers in the world have come along saying that is incredible he's do be anything you know it's got to be something unusual and he's usually standing around with a smile on his face <laughs> like, yeah. he's still the best and i've seen him do this but what happened during the televised show here in the uk They brought Matthew Williams in to create one of these circles in a field under permission by the farmer. The TV company, I think it might have been Channel 4 television company in the UK, had obviously paid the farmer some fee to allow them to do this and film there. Matthew came in and conducted a a, a cop circle formation, and it was absolutely tremendous. But just prior to, to starting, research team of scientists went in there, equipped with everything they could, every type of meter, detection tool, all sorts of things. And they didn't really get anything unusual, to be honest with you. You know, then they didn't expect to, to be honest. So Matthew goes in afterwards and makes this tremendous crop circle, after which um, he they brought some, secretly, some researchers in to have a look at, it, at the circle, not knowing that it had only been... You know, created right, by mankind right. itself. By the crop hours earlier. And it, it was a shame for those researchers because they were set up. And this was the television show, they were setting them up. And they researchers didn't know. And some of these researchers pretty much said, well, you know, it's, it, it definitely looks authentic to me. Um, and they were, you, know, you can well imagine when the TV show went out, they were quite upset about this. Sure. Sure, they wanted okay. to prove a scientific point here is that can you know, can, you know is, it, is it reliable the information that we get from some of these researchers
2: mm-hmm.
1: but what the most fascinating thing was is that the science team along with all their equipment once the circle was created went back in there and it went crazy the equipment went crazy
2: mm-hmm.
1: now be now, you, now you know why i don't put it into these camps because there's a conscious connection geologically between the yeah. crop circle makers, in some sense.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Because that's- we shouldn't have had those unusual readings. It's a it's a manufactured crop circle. So I think no matter what's responsible for creating them, if it's mankind doing it or if it's a phenomenon that's doing it, there's usually some form of the trace evidence left behind on many occasions.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. Well, <clears throat> I just have I have one more quick quick question for you. Okay. Whose beer is better,
1: the UK or the US? Oh, it's gotta be Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I have to support Barry on that one. Okay. Um, um I don't know. I mean I, I you know i non- I don't drink, so okay. We don't I don't drink either, so I wouldn't know. I, I hear people I hear people say um Ireland has the best. Ah,
0: okay. So you're talking about Ireland. Yeah, Ireland has the best beer because they have all the dark ales and all that,
1: right? They do, they they really. <laughs> um, <laughs> They really do study the method of how even a, a glass might fill up. Crazy, really. But uh, I, I would say that, yeah. I mean, it's a the US has a lot of light ales, you know. But uh, leave it to the specialists, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it has true. plenty, of course, you know. But uh, I'll say Ireland. Everybody says everybody I know usually says Ireland. Okay. Oh. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much um, for
0: your work and for helping us find the truth. Um, This is Dorinda Stewart, wife of a demon hunter.